I'm so thankful that I got to be there and witness that. Tonight, I'm preaching a sermon that, of all things, I got coming home from the deer lease one day. And so, you know, it's anointed if it came from that sacred place, you know. (laughs) Amen. And um, I, I got it driving down the road. You know, it's a concept I guess I've had in my mind for quite some time. But I never really did get it down on paper. But tonight, uh, it's down for y'all. And I'm excited to see what God has in store for us. And um, I want y'all to go ahead right now and turn to Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. And uh, we're not going to read it just yet. But it's y'all going to have it ready for when we do. It's been a good day. Praise the Lord. All right. You know, it seems as though the days that we're living in are growing darker and darker. Amen? When we turn on the television and we begin to watch the news, there's hardly anything encouraging being advertised or announced. And Creston had me nervous this morning when he would start talking about some of this stuff. I was like, you get off of my material. <laughs> you can't just ride into town and take my notes, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but really, he had me nervous a couple seconds sitting over there. But truthfully, as of now, it seems like all sources of media, all media outlets seem to have this white-knuckled grip on the nation, and there's no looming hope in the distance saying that it's going to let up anytime soon. Amen. Um, There are all sorts of political propaganda out there right now, and there's different beliefs on what is right, what's wrong, what is humane, what's inhumane, what's ethical, unethical, unethical. We um, are seeing things that are biologically unnatural taking place. And it is not a good thing. Today we're seeing things that even I as a child never imagined seeing in a lifetime. And isn't that true for some of you too? Now more personally, All this manipulation from the enemy, which it is a manipulation from the enemy. Don't let the devil confuse you in making you think that this is all a coincidence or a a giant accumulation of bad decisions. That's not. It's manipulation from the enemy, and this has been his plan all along. Amen. Um, And that manipulation is taking a toll upon the people. And by the people, I'm talking about the human race. I'm talking about the world. I'm also talking about believer and unbeliever. You can feel the oppression. You can feel those evil forces at times, those evil spirits that are combating you so hard at times. And you you can sense their presence. You can see the depression that some lonely, heartbroken people are having to bear with. You can see... um, you can witness the hate that's in some people's hearts when they expose it in an action, and you can see how it's mixed in, intertwined with malice and just absolute 
sickening things. And it's sickening as a believer to watch all of this because we know we're the ones with the answer. Amen. Don't we know that? We're the ones with the answer. And that's why it's our job to go give that answer to those who don't even know they need the answer. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. I'm going to preach here in a minute, but we got to till some ground up first to get to the good stuff. It's things of this nature that remind me of the scripture passage from the Apostle Paul's letter in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And Creston messed me up nearly this morning on that again. But it's talking about perilous times, stating, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of themselves, uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. The list goes on, talking about unnatural affections. And while all of this news sounds discouraging, I cannot just stop there. I cannot just stop there because while these are the last days, these are perilous times, and it is discouraging, we cannot overlook the prophecy of Joel in Acts chapter 2. Amen? Where it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see uh, dream dreams. And upon my servants and handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit uh, in those days, and they shall prophesy. Let's go a little farther tonight. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great notable day of the Lord. And this last verse right here, this is the victory lab. This is where you can preach yourself happy. It says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon my name shall be saved. Come on, somebody. Isn't that some good news tonight? Listen to me. Listen to me. Right now, the struggles of life, they seem a little hopeless, and it looks all dim and defeated. It can be hard to muster up the joy and the victory to keep going. It's a bunch of gloom, despair, and agony on me. But listen to me, in these last days, you need to look up, honey, because Jesus is coming, and he's bringing the Holy Ghost with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to be encouraged today because Jesus is coming. You need to keep your head up today because Jesus is coming. You are loved. You have a call, a destiny, a purpose. There's a divine purpose for you on this planet. If you're breathing, God still has a plan. And Jesus is coming. Come on, somebody. Y'all need to get loose tonight. We're going to have some church. Glory to God. Glory to God. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's our dearest friend, our comfort in time of need, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords. Praise God. Praise God. Some of us need to get loose tonight. All right. Today, this evening, I'm preaching to you a sermon on the timing of God. How perfect is the timing of God? There's nothing more, per- well, the only thing more perfect than the timing of God is God himself, and it doesn't get more perfect than that. I wrote some <clears throat> characteristics down to put this into focus. He is never too early, and he is never too late. He never brings anything upon us to destroy us, and it's not in his character to do anything except what is best. 
He is the greatest orchestrator of all time, the most inspired architect, the most powerful speaker, the greatest financial institution, and the most influential deliverer. He is the most experienced in the church's growth and development. He is the superior organizer, and he is the best of the best when it comes to the work of a physician. Amen. He knows when to talk peace, and he knows when to take action. He has never met a problem that he's just had to meet with a rushed-up duct tape fix. He knows exactly when to bring someone into the world, and he knows exactly when to release them from it. He is God, and he is good. His timing is perfection, and so is he. Amen, somebody. Isn't that good? Isn't that good, my Lord? I'm encouraged tonight that God is still on the throne, being our protector. He's being our provider. He's our Jehovah Jireh, for crying out loud, somebody. Let's get excited about it. Our God's on the throne, and he's here to meet your need, just like he did back in the Bible days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, I'd like to go ahead and jump into our text. It's going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And what we're going to do is we're going to start at verse 1, we're going to read through verse 6, and then um, hold on to your seats, because we're going to skip to verse 17 and read through verse 44. So we'll have a good chunk of Bible tonight, but it never has hurt anybody, so I think we'll make it. Amen. When you're there, say amen. Yes. Yes. Verse 1. We really will be digging into a great um, story, passage, and um, I'm excited to see what God's going to do through it. When you're there, say amen. 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 Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore her sisters, or his sisters, sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that he said, when Jesus heard that he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Hallelujah. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now let's hop to verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. And I want you to listen to this. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha... Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And bless her heart, Martha, she, doesn't, she just doesn't get it. The synapses are not firing off. And she said, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, essentially, okay, you don't understand. 
Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She still doesn't have it quite yet. Bless her heart. She went to Bloom and Grove. No. <laughs> and when she had said, and when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, "The Master is come and calleth for thee." As soon as she heard that he that she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then went, or then which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come uh, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, And the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where he was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee, thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Praise God. Tonight, I entitled the sermon, for all you who are taking notes, the title for this sermon is Four Days Late. And I want you all to notice something with me. Jesus was four days late on purpose. There was a reason behind it. It wasn't by accident that Jesus was late. I think we understand that. Um, In verse 6, he abode two days in the same place where he was. You need to understand that was not neglect. That was not neglect. That was not neglect uh, to neglect his love from Lazarus in any way. What that was was God's perfect timing coming into action. Amen. That was God awaiting the perfect time to come in 
it demonstrated a far greater love and a far greater power than could have been if he would have just healed him. What he did was he waited his time, and he would have Lazarus resurrected. Martha and Mary, again, blessed their hearts. They could not yet wrap their heads around what was going to happen. Martha, she had a little something going on maybe, but at the same time, she still didn't grasp the fact that Jesus Christ would raise her brother from the dead. She, I want you to hear this, she did not understand his power even though she knew he was Christ. She knew he was Christ, the Son of God. She said it. Her words are in the Bible. Read it again if you want to. But she did not understand his power. Come on, somebody. We're about to get somewhere. And you know what? That almost sounds like us, doesn't it? That almost sounds like us. You know, we know he's God. We know he's sovereign. And we know that he's all-powerful. But what we do is we entertain doubt. And we don't expect his power and love to show up when the miracle's needed. And then when we uh, think that the miracle's too far gone, instead of praising God through the circumstance, we sit at home while the Savior passes by. Come on now. I'm going to get to preaching. We're getting somewhere. What many times we don't take into consideration is that God has already got our circumstance figured out. Amen. Amen. What he's doing is awaiting the right time to come into the picture, to perform the miracle, to demonstrate the greatest amount of power that he can. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you're awaiting a miracle and it seems hopeless, you need to get a hold of the fact that God has already reached your solution. He's already reached it. Right now, in the waiting, you need to stay steadfast, brother. You need to stay steadfast, sister. Because my God is going to show up any time now. And when he does, he's going to demonstrate something you never thought he could. And then when he does, it's going to be a complete unexpected thing. And it's going to be miraculous. Amen. Amen. He may not come when you want him, like that old song says, but he'll be there right on time. Amen. Amen. Praise God. In this passage, we have the shortest verse in the Bible. It's verse 35. And we all know Jesus wept. That was always my favorite to memorize as a kid in Sunday school because it was the easiest. But um, you want to know why that short verse was even important enough to be added to the Bible? Do you even... Want to know why St. John thought it was a big enough deal to be stuck in his book? The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, was important enough to be added to the canon because, take this down if you're a note taker, feelings of the moment don't cancel out the facts of your future. My God, somebody. I need to say that again. Feelings of the moment don't cancel out the facts of your future. Isn't that true? If it did, half of us would be dead in here. (laughs) Or maybe half of us would be the reason someone else is dead in here. (laughs) But listen to me. Listen to me. Feelings are fleeting, but God's destination for you is eternal. It's eternal. Someone grab onto that and you take it and you run with it because God has already got your plan set. Amen. Amen. Listen, Lazarus, he was a friend of Jesus. It says that in the word that he loved him. When Jesus was going to see Lazarus' body, he wept. 
but not for long because Jesus had plans for a resurrection service. He had plans for a resurrection service. Jesus weeping when he got the news is known as the shortest verse in the Bible because the hurt Jesus felt was going to be shorter than the fatal situation his friend was in. Praise God. Our fatal situations compared to our season of resurrection are going to be brief as well. Listen to me. The good will be longer than the bad. Lazarus got up. He removed the grave clothes and so will you. If you're a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, you don't get a defeat unless you let yourself have one. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. My God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. The Scriptures tell us in Ephesians, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. They tell us in Psalms, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. I was young and now am old, yet never have I seen the righteous forsaken for his seed, nor seed begging bread, for he is merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Then they finally tell us in Revelation, I am Alpha and Omega. Praise God. And the beginning and the ending saith the Lord, which was, which is, and which is to come, the Almighty. The scriptures make it clear. God has our past, our future, and our present all taken care of. All you've got to do is stay still and praise your way through. Don't you pave your way through. You praise your way through. You'll find, you'll foul yourself up paving your way through because you're going to find a way where there is no way until the way maker and the miracle worker show up and they perform something you never thought that could happen. Glory to God. We are the handiwork of Christ the Redeemer. He has prepared good works already for us to do. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching about God tonight. He is faithful to meet your need. The steps of you are ordered. For we were young, now we're old, yet never have we seen the righteous forsaken. My God, I'm ready for someone to get loose tonight. I'm preaching to you about Jesus. I'm preaching to you about God. He is and He was and He is to come. Praise God. He's the definition of life eternal. He is the A to Z, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. He is the greatest love story ever told, and He is in the waiting just as much as He's in the miracle. Praise God. Just like Lazarus, isn't it great? When He's four days late, He's still on time. Hallelujah. The healing, the marriage, the finances, the prodigal, the restoration, the deliverance. All take a back seat till God says, it is time. And then he says, move out of the way. Let me show you who I really am. He says, move out of the way. Let me show you how I really work. Move out of the way. Let me show you what I can really do. Today is not the day to be discouraged. For today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He's a faithful God and He's here to meet your need. You stay steadfast. You stay steadfast. It may feel like He's four days late, but you just remember when He comes. It'll be right on time. 
you won't have a clue what hit you. Next thing you'll know, you'll be sitting flat on your back on an altar somewhere. You're going to get your miracle. Someday the door's going to knock and it's going to be that kid that left years ago and he's back. Someday you're not going to know it, but there's going to be a check come to your mailbox that you've been waiting on. God's going to provide your miracle. Somebody needs to shout glory. I'm trying to preach to y'all. Y'all aren't acting Pentecostal tonight. My God, there's a fire. Some of you just need to raise your hands and shout praise God. But just praise Him for a moment. Shut up. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is good and He is faithful to meet your need. He is good and He is faithful to meet your need. My Lord, have mercy. I'm trying to preach. This miracle... I want to bring up another side to this miracle. This miracle was just as much Mary and Martha's as it was Lazarus's. Yeah, come on now. Right? Right. right. Especially Mary, because she showed the least amount of faith as anybody there. Good Lord. She sat in the house when Jesus showed up. Good night. Lazarus had already died. Lazarus done croaked out. He didn't have a problem anymore. He got that out of the way. You can just see him in heaven talking to somebody. And then you hear, Lazarus. And he's like, like, well, way to go. Lazarus was no longer in any desperate state. This miracle was for Mary. Martha and the rest of the Jews that were there. It tells you after Lazarus was resurrected, the verses we didn't read, that um, a lot of the Jews got, they converted and they went and told other people about it. Your miracle will do that to people. When you get your miracle, you don't keep it a secret. You tell people about it. The word of your testimony. They were the ones that were going to get the real education And they were the ones that were going to learn just because Jesus doesn't come when you want him doesn't mean he won't come when you need him. Come on. Come on. (laughs) And when they got the miracle by Lazarus being resurrected, the story just doesn't end there. It keeps going. In fact, the story goes all the way into chapter 12. Chapter 11 shows the miracle. Chapter 12 shows the correct response to the miracle. In fact, let's quickly get to that. Chapter, John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Let's go there very quickly. We're going to read 1 through 8, and it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I'm going to read that again. I want you to look at Martha. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary mm, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, 
and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. That's a beautiful picture of worship, isn't it? Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now, ain't that like the devil? You get a miracle and you're trying to praise God for it. The devil sends some heifer in and tries to steal the show. Judas didn't have a care in the world about whether or not Mary was how she was worshiping. Judas just wanted to cause an issue. It says, listen, listen, this explains it perfectly. This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what uh, what was put there. You know what that means? That means he held the money bag and took what he wanted. That's what that means. But, you know, Jesus, Jesus is the best at comebacks. Jesus is the best at comebacks. It says, then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept us, kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye not always have. Right now, though, I really want to focus on verse 2 and 3. I want to focus on verse 2 and 3. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to see right now that that little set of scripture proves two things. And we're going to begin to close soon. Don't get too excited, but it'll happen soon. Um, but the script, that scripture proves two things. Number one, Lazarus' miracle was not all his. You can tell this by looking at the people who were serving and worshiping. Lazarus was neither. Martha served. Mary worshiped. Lazarus hung out with the guys at the dinner table. Number two, in those two verses, you see the correct response to receiving a miracle. What is the correct response to receiving a miracle? It's giving an extravagant praise. An extravagant praise. Mary was doubtful the whole time. She was doubtful from the beginning. She didn't even go see Jesus until Jesus requested her and Martha called her. In the beginning, she didn't have any faith when she heard Jesus was on the way. She didn't even bother to get out of her lazy boy and go greet him. She did nothing to get herself out of the mournful self-pity pit she was in, and it was pitiful. But listen to me. The father wouldn't let her stay there long. Because the weeping won't last long. Because the good is longer than the bad. Because Lazarus is going to get up and so will you. Amen. 
what happened was the father requested a visitation. Oh, didn't he request a visitation? And you know, praise God, that sounds like what happened with some of you. Some of you, this is what happened. He picked you up where you were. He didn't force a thing on you. He didn't force a thing on you. He took you as you were. He reached way, way down. It's like that old song, when the Savior reached down. He had to reach way, way down for me. I was lost and undone without God or His Son when He reached down His, my God, His hand for me. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, praise God. He pulled you up from the hole you dwelled in. And what he did was he showed you a better way. He showed you a better way. He showed you a resurrection. He showed you a miracle. Then what was the response? Your response to him was an extravagant praise. My God, he just changed your life. I'm talking about the chain breaking, prison shaking, blood washing, Holy Ghost filling, financial stabling, marriage restoring, prodigal delivering, drug delivering, saving grace of God who's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your defense to provide your every need. Somebody shout glory. I can't keep it in right now because I'm preaching to you about the Savior, the Son of God who went and died on a cross, and the third, the third day he rose up to stand in your defense. Praise God. He didn't stay in the grave long. It was the third day. The third day. You don't know what happens on the third day. The third day, things that were dead come back to life. Woo! Things that were dead come back to life. Your joy that you've been seeking, your peace that you've been seeking, your children you're wanting to come back home, it all comes back on the third day. God's going to show you His power in a miraculous way. Praise God. Oh, and when He does, it's an extravagant praise. Oh, just like Mary receiving her miracle. Oh, my God, like her receiving that miracle. Some of you need to get to the front of this church and kneel at the feet of Jesus and say, I've come to pour. Oh, I've come to pour my praise on you like oil from Mary's alabaster box. I'm going to wipe my Savior's feet with my hair. I'm throwing down my hair, my pride to wipe your feet, my prized possession. Oh, I'm laying it down. I'm giving you a very costly praise, a very costly praise. Right now, I'm showing my gratitude in advance. Oh, praise God, I'm closing right now. Somebody in this church needs to halfway run down the aisle at times just to get the victory you need, to get the victory, the blessing you need. Right now, some of you need peace. Some of you need finances. Some of you need healing. Some of you need deliverance. Some of you need restoration. And some of you seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know what it is, but I know you can get it at an altar. You can get it at an altar. Right now, come down, because Jesus is waiting. Jesus is waiting. He just sent me. He just sent me as your spiritual Martha to tell you to rise and come witness your miracle. Rise and come witness your miracle. The only difference between me calling you and Martha calling you is Martha called in secret. I'm calling in public. 
Come on, right now, if you're one of those people, I want you to come down. And I want you to receive your miracle. Some of you need to get prayed through. Some of you just need to pray through. I don't know what it is, but I know the Savior who does. And I know the God who can take care of your need. Praise the Lamb. Praise the Lamb. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? I want to ask tonight, is there anyone in here with an illness in your body? Is there anyone with an illness in your body? If there is, I want you to come down. And we're going to anoint you with oil and we're going to pray heaven down for you. Right now, if there's someone in here that needs a deliverance, you need to get bold and you need to say, today is the day that I'm laying it down. Today is the day I'm laying it down. Hallelujah. Right now, some of you, I don't know what you've lived through. I don't know what you've lived through, but you might need some restoration, some spiritual healing. And if that's you, I want you to come down too. And listen, if you're not coming to pray, I want you to come up here and pray for some people. My God, isn't it great when he's four days late? He's still on time. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, everybody. Stand up and worship if you would.